right, so it's the Caleb Jackson podcast. I am here currently with up and coming artist, millions of plays on Spotify and Apple as well. New album dropping at the end of the month. Everybody, please welcome, welcome Mr. Ryan Bronson. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. So how did we actually how did we collab with this, actually? Uh, literally, I saw that you were doing a podcast and I slid in the Twitter DMs. <laughs> yes, sir. That's all. That's all it is. You know what I mean, man? So you're, in the, you're in the Midwest right now? Yeah, I'm in Iowa right now. Okay. Okay. What you doing up there? No. Uh, I'm here with my girlfriend now until we move to Nashville. Okay. Okay. All right. Is that better? Yes, yeah. Sir, you're all good. Yeah, we're all good. Sounds good and everything, man. So, okay. I mean, so how long have you been making music, actually? Bro, this is year 10. Wow. Wow. So, wait, you're yeah, 20. Decade in this year. 28. 28? Okay. So, you've been doing ever yeah, since you're in high there. school. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so what, kind of, what made you kind of get into making music? Or what was, like, the start of, like, you making music and whatnot? Uh, So, like, I always, like, butchering shit, like, as a kid. Like, I've had mental health issues my whole life. So, like, it was a vent. Mm-hmm. And then, no joke, there used to be this app called the IMT Pain app where they auto-tuned everything and they had, like, instrumentals. Mm-hmm. So some friends and I would get, like, fucked up and just start freestyling over it. And then I started, like, <laughs> was like, wait, let me, like, put my poems to, like, some of this. And it was, like, one thing to another. And I kind of just, like, fell in love with it, fell in love with the process. Mm-hmm. Ended up going to school for audio engineering. And just kind of learned how to do everything. And, like, the passion just continues to grow for it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's all it is. The same way I started with the podcast, man. Literally, actually the same way, like just like mental health issues and whatnot. And then, you know, just having a need to kind of just start speaking and getting my words out there. Not only that, but trying to get other people's words out there, too, man. That's how I just started trying to go and just starting to grow and everything else. So I I really feel where you're coming from, man. Oh, yeah. It's like a therapy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you're from you're from New York, right? Originally? Yeah, I'm from like upstate, well, western New York. Okay. It's, uh, like on the New York Pennsylvania border, aka middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> I've never, only time I've been to New York, I've been to New York City for about a week, and that was about it. Oh, yeah. That's about all I can handle in New York City. I love it there, but when it's the summertime, that shit gets hot. All the buildings reflecting off you. Not a big fan. Oh, dog. I am here in Texas, dog. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I can't say shit to you about heat then. No, I'm like, I'm here in South Texas. And I was actually in New York in the summertime. And I was actually there, the time I went, it was actually the time I had a blackout. Because I didn't realize how like New York had blackouts in the summer either. And so I'm yeah, walking down, what? first time in New York, I'm walking down the streets with my boys. And then all the streetlights go out. Like, <laughs> and so, we didn't know. And it's like, think, we don't know anybody. And then at the same time, we're in Manhattan. So we don't know what's going to happen. And so Yeah, all- you're... Yeah, all we had, we didn't didn't know streets anything, didn't know lights at all, just nothing but honking and just people. But no, no one stopped. That's the thing. No one stopped walking and everything. Everybody just kept going about their business like nothing happened. And so. Oh, my God. And be you were probably like, what in the zombie apocalypse shit is this? Hell yeah, dude. And it was like, <laughs> it was a mix between like, I need I need to get somewhere, but at the same time, I don't want to get jumped or mugged or because like I'm in like not saying it's gonna happen, but at the same time, I am in New York City, so it it just might. Yeah, not saying it could, it's it's gonna happen, but not saying it couldn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta be safe <laughs> with it. You know what I mean? Facts. So where'd you go to school? Actually, you said you went to school for audio. 
Yeah, I went to the Art Institute of Tennessee, Nashville for audio engineering. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So I'm so Art Institute. Okay. I, I I know a few people that go over to uh, they go to Tennessee and uh, University of Tennessee and people that go to Vanderbilt too. So okay. and I have family stay over in Tennessee too. Tennessee is a beautiful state too. It really is. When I get down there, you'll have to maybe network with some of the homies when I get there. Oh, definitely, definitely. So how? So I've been listening to a few, some of your music actually, and what what kind of inspired you to make kind of this? Because uh, you have a really a really specific and also versatile kind of genre and sound as well. And you're able to kind of balance between like not only rap, but like rock and also like more if you're rap and pop music into kind of one. So like how, like yeah. what kind of inspired you to get that kind of sound going and what kind of like, what kind of helped you, you know, what helps you improve your sound as well? For sure. I think like the improvement part is just doing it over and over again. Like mm-hmm. um, I'm obsessive with it literally like an addiction like i'm just always trying to one-up myself like well i just made this this was dope but i bet you i can do better so it's okay. just kind of like repeated doing it and then the sound comes from uh like inspirations of like what i like grew up listening to honestly like i grew up like listening to like Pac and m but i also listened to like 80s hair bands like Motley Crue and then like when I was in high school it was like the pop punk era of like the My Chemical Romances and the Green Days and the Blink-182s right right so like my whole like musical taste has just kind of been different eras different genres so I just was as I've like progressed and like my own styles like coming out and I'm like finding my own sound I want to like infuse like me and all of it you know Mm. So you can, I, I can hear like it's a little bit of you kind of like each kind of genre of music in your music too as well. So how many albums you got right. out so far? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Bro, I think it's like nine albums and like two or three mixtapes. Okay. Yeah, so it's a little obsessive. We out, <laughs> we out like, here. That's how, you got, that's how you gotta be, man. You know, you got a goal and you got a dream too. Especially now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's like a. It's not really necessarily competition now in the music game. Everybody, if you know, if people who know the music game know that it's it's a hungry business. You know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta try to eat, and so like it's it's one thing. It's kind of like a friendly competition with other people. You know what I mean? Like for sure. Who can who not only can like make the best music, but also who can kind of elevate. But at the same time, you know, you meet new people who also want to make music with you, and that's the beautiful part of it as well. For sure, that's the cool thing. Like back in the day, it used to be like everybody's at against each other like competing with each other which i kind of miss the competitive aspect of it but also it's super dope now that there's so many people willing to collaborate mm-hmm. just introducing them to their audience and vice versa like you can reach so many people that way and it's dope the amount of artists that are open to that because mm-hmm. art is collaborative mm-hmm. exactly and people uh, uh, we're all trying to get to the same the same place you know what i mean essentially you know for sure and like you know just at least how many how many artists today, like, you know, not only just go go back in time and find, you know, old artists, you know, to collab with as well, you know? Not even yeah, that. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, wait, I'm kind of a, it's it's funny you said you listen to Pac, but because you gravitated towards the West Coast when you're from New York originally. So, like, did you grow up listening to any, like, East Coast rappers as well? Uh, I like Biggie and Nas and Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the West Coast sound. Like, when I, ever since I was a kid, though, like, I wanted to move to L.A., Mm-hmm. so like i was just like west coast rap like the sound like just like felt better 
like the like that G funk sound. I fucking love that. It's like a, a certain kind of just smooth funk kind of melody. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, like I love the G funk sound. I mean, don't get me wrong, like I love like the East Coast like boom bap style and like the lyricism of it. Like that's where I get like my want to like get crazy punchlines in there is from that East Coast rap and like Lil Wayne, like mm-hmm. metaphorically. But I just like sonically, like the sounds and the instrumentation, like that G funk is music to my ears. Exactly, you know, and it, it just helps with the helps with the vibe. Like you said, with the you used to write poetry, right? And that's how you kind of got into music. You're just throwing your poems onto just you know random instrumentals and whatnot. And so for like, sure, you, you wrote you wrote for a while before you uh, started doing music. Yeah, like I think my mom someplace has like poems and like songs that I tried to write. Like back to like second grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro. My mom still got pictures I drew in second grade too, as well, bro. <laughs> bro, like I've, I'll be home and she'll like pull them up. I'm like, mom, get that out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's good to see like there's that certain. Th- it's weird how life works like that. There's that certain thing that you you do all the time, you do every day that you don't yep. really realize. But then again, like it's your passion. You don't you don't really realize it at the time. You know what I mean? So being able yep. to see, like, how is it being able to see where, that you said you've been doing this for 10 years, how is it being able to see, like, where you first started, especially, like, first writing your poems and whatnot, to now where you're starting to really see the, your hard work being able to pay off and getting a lot of views and a lot of plays on your music and whatnot? Yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. It's also, like, when it does, like, get insane streams, it's, like, like, I'll look at my Spotify for Artists app, and it'll say, like, this many people listening at one time, and I'm, like, Right now I'm chilling on my couch and there's somebody bumping my shit. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Like that's like that thought. And like, especially when I see like people in other countries listening to it, I'm like something that I thought of in my head when I was going through some shit or wanted to say some shit is now potentially like helping or impacting somebody else across the ocean. Like that's that, that doesn't seem real to me still, mm-hmm. but it's, so it's like, I don't think it's actually sunk in. Mm-hmm. The same way with me with the podcast, I see like the more and more I see people like starting to listen to listen. I'm like, it's, it's crazy. You know what I mean? To think that more and more people than the people that you thought of want to hear your voice, you know, hear what you have to say. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I said, it's a really beautiful thing to say. It's also really surreal. You know what I mean? Surreal, but it's also like holds you accountable too. Cause you're like, wait, if people are listening to me, I got to be like accountable for what I'm saying. Mm hmm. Account before what you put out there and your content. Yep. Yeah, I feel you. So, what are like any um any big parts of your childhood um that you kind of like besides like writing and stuff? What part? What parts of your childhood and everything that you throw into your music and like helps you with your inspiration or whatnot? Um, like depends if it's like happier stuff or like reminiscent stuff. Like I'll talk about like because I had great family like growing up, so like do stories of that for like reminiscent like on good times and shit mm-hmm. but also like from the time I was in fifth grade all the way through high school like I was like battling anxiety and depressive disorder mm-hmm. and like I didn't have like I had like people like trying to help but also like I was turned into kind of like a test dummy with so many medications mm-hmm. that I was like on and off and on and off all the time all the way through there and like looking back on that now i'm like there's a reason i was sleeping through class i was drugged up mm-hmm. exactly so yeah so it's like i kind of like try to eventually like with the good times or like with the parties or like the celebratory records i try to like 
sprinkle in records that like are reminiscent of what I was feeling as a kid because there's so many kids who consume music mm-hmm. that like so I try to like I try to make the songs that I needed to hear mm-hmm. you know and those are the feelings that kind of built to where you want to like those are the feelings that kind of helped you blossom into your music as well too you know what I mean right like yeah. I needed that outlet so like like I said I'm trying to make the music that I I needed to hear as a kid mm-hmm. exactly and that's, that's a lot of artists that do that, like uh, NF. Are you a uh, you big NF fan? I'm a fan of him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I heard his music and like I hear I hear the similarities between what y'all talk about and whatnot. Of course, he's a lot like he's he's way more of a rapper, and you're more of like a pop and like rock a little bit. Like you sprinkle in those different genres, like I was talking about a little bit. For sure. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you think does that versatility help you out with your, making music as well? Definitely. Like it's like I don't feel like I feel like a lot of artists are like pigeonholed to like feel like they need to create a certain thing or a certain sound or feel or certain vibe I feel like like with the way I started making it and like what my listeners how like supportive like the listeners I have how like how they are I'm allowed to like write based on my mood at any given day mm-hmm. so it's like I don't feel like the genre versatility tells me if I'm fucking pissed off and I want to make an angry rap song I can make that one day. Mm-hmm. If I'm in a, I want to put the windows down and sing some catchy shit. I can make that kind of record that day. Like I don't feel like I need to like confined to a genre. I don't feel confined to a sound or like an image or anything. I can be exactly what I want, and that changes from day to day. Exactly, and it's good how you can. It's good and interesting too how you just go with it naturally, just the natural mood of the day, and whatever comes to you, you just go with. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's like the best best kind of art that's happened that way because you're not forcing it. You're just letting what's actually naturally coming to you come out. Right. Right. Yes, sir. So you made that uh Mount Rushmore on Twitter yesterday, which uh, <laughs> I, I I was looking, I was like, man, I have to make one now. So what, what was your four, your top four rappers for your Mount Rushmore? Uh, Pac, M, Wayne, and Jay. Okay. Do you have a what's your uh, rationale behind all four of those? Pac is the poet. Pac mm-hmm. also, uh, like, similar to me, like, his was all rap, but he had something for every mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had his angry songs. He had introspective songs. He had his party songs. He had his, I'm going to go get some pussy songs. <laughs> like, he had all of it. So he had, like, plus he had, like, the the message behind him and the impact that he was trying to give and just all around, like, especially in the short span of time that it was here, like the amount of music that he created. Mm-hmm. Well, he so, still has so like my re- thousands. He has enough to put out just like what hundreds of more albums. You know what I mean? Cause he's yeah, always, that's right. he's always, he was always in the studio, just creating, working and working and working. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, that's, yeah, that's uh, then that's what like a lot, if we're kind of getting to now, you know, I feel like now we're in kind of that Renaissance, you know, in the Renaissance period of mm-hmm. like, a lot of people are trying to get that work in, you know, to create something new, you know what I mean? And create like a new sure. show, you know? Mm-hmm. So you said the middle one was Lil Wayne? Uh, M was next, Lil oh. Wayne was third, and then Jay-Z was fourth. Okay. So you about to say something? I'll interrupt you, my bad. Oh, I was going to say, wonderful up those unreleased pot that are still in there. Oh, no, we, 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 we'll probably hear it after a while. It, You know, I mean... I see even I have some unreleased verses here and there. I ain't gonna lie to you. 
because I actually one of my cousins. He actually, he's actually has a studio set up in the living room right now. Honestly, he bunks with us yeah. during the summer, so he's actually been working on his uh MRB diverse sound as well. Go check him out on Sound or Spotify and that podcast, Apple Music as well. For sure. Yeah, but you said Eminem next. Yeah, Eminem was next just because of, like he brought a different level of emotion to it, but also like his his wordplay was something different that wasn't seen in rap. Mm-hmm. Like his word bending, his wordplay, like the the storytelling ability, and also like his album sales like will never be topped. Never. Ever. Like, no one was doing numbers like that back when he was doing it. No. And mm-hmm. no one ever will again, especially with streaming era in. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I would have to throw Eminem on my Mount Rushmore as well, simply for the fact that he is arguably the best MC of all time. Not even that, that he, the fact that he's white, honestly. <laughs> you <have to> throw, <laughs> like, honestly, you have to throw him in there just because, like, you've never, you have never seen, at the time, you'd never seen a white, a seemingly a white dude come in here and do the same thing at a at the equal or even better level. You know what I mean? Yeah. If if white people did it before him, it was like gimmicky. Exactly. You know, or I, there was actually one song before. I think they say I think they credit the first actual rap song as being um, I think it was the message Grandmaster Flash. I think that's what yeah. they credit like the very first rap song to be. But mm-hmm. someone told me that there was like one like it's like a couple of rock songs who have like, I guess, a couple of verses in them, as I guess. You know what I mean? Here, there. I forget what song it was, but it was this one girl. uh, She was, she was actually kind of killing it. You know what I mean? But I really wasn't with it. So I was like, yeah, maybe. But, but you said next was Lil Wayne. Yeah, next was Wayne. I said, I said Wayne because one, the amount of fucking songs and shit that that man has, like work ethic, is unmatched. The way he completely dominated, like with the mixtape era, Mm -hmm. and like his popularity without. Like, during that time when he was, like, the No Ceilings mixtape, the Sorry for the Waits, the Dedications, like, all that shit, just free content, that's unmatched. And also, like, his metaphoric style and damn near every, like, this generation sound is somewhat influenced by Wayne. And you know, like, if as a true Wayne fan, you still catching metaphors and wordplay from ten years ago, like you, like you're going back and listening to his stuff. You got to listen back to it. Yeah, times. like I rewind it back. I'm like, what? Exactly, exactly. And I don't think there's any yeah. other rapper. Like, I listen to like it that. again. I'm like, how the fuck I missed that? Exactly. What would you say is your favorite Lil Wayne album? Mm-mm. I mean, am I still? That's tough. Actually, no, nah, it's not that tough. I'm not a human being. The first one. Mm-hmm. That's one? probably my favorite Wayne album. I'm trying to think which ones were on that one. Which song was uh, right above it on that album or that that mixtape? Yeah, yeah, right above it with Drake. Yeah, that was on there. That was the. Yeah, that was definitely. That was like wow. right in that free wheezy era. Mm-hmm. It's like that when that like little era where when Eminem, when Lil Wayne introduced Drake and Nicki. That was like. It's that there's something about that little era of like 08 to about like maybe 2012, that music right there, when everyone yeah. Kanye was Kanye was Kanye, you know what I mean? He's <laughs> right. still Kanye regardless, but I mean like back then Kanye is just untouchable. But oh yeah. 
I always say, imagine being in the studio. Just imagine being in the studio when Kanye made power. <laughs> Bro, I would have quit right there. Right. <laughs> right. Just the level of genius that goes into it, you know? Nah. Like, his production, like, he's a madman. He's literally, like, he's so crazy because he's a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced. Well, yeah, I mean, for every genius, you have to be somewhat crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then for him to make, like, lyrics and melodies so catchy over his already fucking insane beats. Mm-hmm. He's a GOAT. I couldn't put him on my Rushmore, but he's a GOAT. Mm-hmm. Honestly, for rap, I can make at least, like, five Mount Rushmores, and all of them have to be different. Yeah, yeah. that's it fair. Just, it depends on which what what you gravitate to normally or naturally. You know what I mean? For sure. Mm-hmm. So I saw so I, I hear the New York the New York coming out of you with uh, the fourth one Jay Z, Jay Z, yeah I think his is just like he one longevity, two like subject matter like his ability to change it up like to get emotional to talk street to talk game like also like his like the business sense that goes aside with him and the way he talks and preaches business and his music I don't think is appreciated enough. Mm-hmm. And see, my dad as a so my dad never really listened to rap like that. And he, my dad said he never really liked Jay Z. Actually, he didn't really think Jay Z had like for him personally. He said he really think Jay Z had really meaningful lyrics that much. But he said when Jay Z came out with four forty four, that yeah. completely changed his perspective about Jay Z. You know, that's fair. And yeah, like, I think. Go ahead. Uh, I think like a lot of that was like, if you, I think like our era is lucky. Like we pay $99 a month and we can listen to that whole album through. Mm-hmm. I think like back in the day, like if you weren't actually physically going to buy the albums or the cassettes, all you had was the radio records and you couldn't hear the rest. Mm-hmm. So now when you dive back into the catalogs, you're like, oh shit, he was saying something this whole project. He just wasn't saying it on a radio record. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that's probably where a lot of that criticism comes from, Jay. Because I was the same way before I was able to actually like dive into his catalog. It's like, oh shit, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. How and that's that's a good point you put, put uh, just made actually about how especially now with mainstream music because I, I find myself not even listening to quote unquote mainstream anymore even like my little Spotify yearly wrapped they'll come back and say that like most of the music I listen to is quote unquote underground rap or whatnot but to me I'm like no I'm like I right. think everybody listens to this kind of stuff like, I listen to my favorite rappers are, of course JID um, J Cole Larry June like those are my mm-hmm. favorite rappers. And that's technically underground rap. You know what I mean? As opposed right. to what's mainstream nowadays. But I still find that, you no, know, what's mainstream nowadays is not bad, but necessarily, not necessarily my personal cup of tea. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I won't say it's bad. I'll just say that I get tired of hearing the same song 50 times in the same playlist. Yes. Yes. 100%. <laughs> like... Uh, even like you just like looking through your Spotify and whatnot, you're like, man, I just want to listen to something new. You know what I mean? Like you're always yeah. on that search for something new. You know what I mean? And if you are on a search for something new and you listen to this podcast, listen to Mr. Ryan Bronson on Spotify. And you're on Apple Music as well. Yeah, I'm everywhere. Okay, yes, sir. Spotify, YouTube, Apple, Title, Deezer, YouTube. Okay. Do you have any music videos out actually? I. I have a few out. The old ones aren't very high quality. Okay, little, nothing wrong with it. <laughs> shot on an iPhone 4. 
<laughs> you are, bro, we all gotta start somewhere, man. <laughs> but no, I got I got two new ones coming out that were actually shot the other day that'll be out within the first month of the album drop. So I'm excited to share those. Okay. So with the pandemic, um we how okay, I'm gonna start get away from that real quick. But how many concerts have you done? Do you do concerts regularly? Yeah, I've been touring for six years. Mm-hmm. So probably in the two, three hundred show range right now. Okay. Yeah. So with the pandemic, that slowed I'm guessing the pandemic slowed you down with everything with pandemic hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a lot of artists when it came to like tours and you no know, events, concerts and whatnot, you know, a lot of people just couldn't do anything. So would that did that like cause you to kind of like lock into the studio and try to like make new music and try to like focus on what you're making? Yeah, like uh like the pandemic like definitely like affected not being able to play shows. So it affected like not being able to sell merch and shit. Mm-hmm. So that was like business wise, that was like tough. But then also like it also allowed me to touch like a passion project style thing to like dive into stuff that I've like really wanted to create for a long time but like balancing working a regular day job and also balancing work like on music I was trying to like I didn't have the time to make as much as I wanted to make Mm -hmm. so like with this album I wanted to make a very pop punk influenced record Mm -hmm. so I was able to jump in and do that and I also like have always had like the passion like project idea of wanting to like make a pure like 90s early 2000 style hip-hop album so like the pandemic allowed me the time to like make both of those projects okay and you you started you dropped one of the projects already i haven't dropped any either of them yet the first okay. one comes the pop punk influence one comes out uh the 27th of this month okay yes sir june 27th hey if you know if you know anything about houston texas man june 27th is our day man why is that uh Man, that is DJ uh, DJ Screw made the uh, you know uh, Drake's November eighteenth, right? Yeah, that was DJ Screw's June twenty June twenty seventh album, uh, June twenty seventh instrumental they made back in like the late nineties. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. And so that's actually funny because I was actually talking to one of my friends about this um, with the whole um, the chopped and screwed versus the slowed and reverbed music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How yeah, all, how chopped and screwed was just you know something we've been doing already. And then now, like people call it slowed and reverbed, and like we come in, it's like, hey, we've been doing this for years, <laughs> years. Like we've yeah. been had that exactly. <laughs> so wait, do, do you play any instruments? Um, I haven't in a minute. I can play drums. That's about it. Okay. Yeah, like I don't know music theory or any shit like that. Like when I make beats and I do everything like that, it's like all by ear. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of what you, when you, so you, you do you produce all your music as well? I don't produce all of it. Like, I like the Strictly Hip Hop album, I made a lot of the beats on that. But the Pop Punk uh, projects, my homie Jake made most of the beats for that. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I know, like, when you're making your beats, um, I know, like, by playing the drums, being able to play the drums kind of helps a lot with knowing what to use with your bass, your kick, and your... For sure. You know, yes, sir. And just getting that rhythm and being able to, like throw any kind of good drum on whatever melody or whatever kind of uh sample you have for sure and the rhythmic like ability is great for like because I, I love chopping samples mm-hmm. chopping them and playing them in all sorts of random ways so like the rhythm helps like to be able to like get like even more in-depth creative with that yes sir so so far you've been promoting all your stuff personally for the album so far like i ran a few ads like on facebook and instagram and whatnot 
I've noticed that the ads don't work as well for a pre-campaign. Mm-hmm. So as far as like pre-sales, pre-orders and everything, I'm just like, fuck it, we're going to do it the hard way and have done it like direct to message all of them myself. Mm-hmm. You got to do everything organically nowadays, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> The, so many the algorithms aren't working for me, so I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> I mean, there's so many different outlets that people use, whether it be like just the internet, YouTube, or whatever, you know, that there's so everybody's using it, you know, so it's hard to get. Yep. There's so many ads out there already that it's hard 100%. to get everybody to just notice yours, you know what I mean? Your one ad out of right. 10,000 they see for every day, you know, and that's just another thing with how much, you know, we're indoctrinated just seeing just commercials and having right. stuff thrown in our face day after day. And just, that's just how society mm-hmm. is with technology and everything. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've noticed like if I run an ad to my videos, they work very well. Mm-hmm. But if I run an ad to just like a link or to just a post, it doesn't work so well. Mm-hmm. Now, do you be on, uh, you post a lot on TikTok? I'm trying to get better about doing that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still, still new to the whole TikTok culture thing. Same. Not Same. Very- also not a whole like very visual human being at all like mm. i can write you a million songs but if it comes to like making the video idea i'm like i'll be like uh i got <laughs> right no, everybody's saying like because now that's like even one of the biggest platforms because like even my cousin he said he put just one little sample one little splice of the little sample he had on tiktok got like 200 some views you know yeah and it's just yeah, tiktok's just... algorithm is very user-friendly that's why mm. like i do think artists should be on there i just got to figure out how the fuck to work it right because right, i'm one of those people is like everybody's on this one thing and i'm like i'm not saying that like i'm never gonna download tiktok because everybody else has it but i literally yeah. don't need another reason to be on my phone like that's my right thing. that's my biggest thing because just the time i spend just scrolling mindlessly scrolling down twitter instagram or whatever you know i spend just an hour just doing that already you know i don't need to spend another hour and a half two hours on tiktok watching that's what i was saying like it's already a time suck i pick up my phone like out of habit check my twitter i'm like i don't even need to look at anything right now what am i doing exactly i did that like five times like before i even got on the podcast just now honestly you know it's like you just have a natural like how many times you just close the app and then just go back and open it back up you know what i mean you're like why did i why am i doing this like you know what i mean oh freeze yeah. Oh, literally. Okay. Like this is literally like a habit at this point. Mm-hmm. You cut out. Oh, I did. I. They're all good. Yeah, you're back now though. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, you hitting on your um. You said you were a medic. You on your depression. You said you were on medication a lot when you were in high school and stuff, and that's why you were sleeping. And on this podcast, I talk a lot about mental health and you know perspective and whatnot. It was actually called Perspective before I called it the Caleb Jackson Podcast. Believe it or not. Oh, dope. Mm-hmm. And because the biggest thing is because I want to get other people's perspective on here. You know what I mean? I want people to get their words on there than, rather than me get their words on there. And so when, sure. like you said, you said about maybe fifth grade to time you were graduated, you know, dealing with mm-hmm. uh, just mental struggles and whatnot. Well, like I'm still like dealing with like the mental health stuff, but like in that time frame is when like I was trying like multiple different therapists and multiple different doctors and they were like trying one medicine for a little bit it wasn't working or it made me feel one type of way so then they had to switch the medication so like all the medications kind of like kind of cocktail what looking like that times Mm -hmm. yeah like now i'm on 
one medication and it works well, like I'm able to function well, like still get the panic attacks, obviously. And I still have it, but it's just not as extreme as it was like back in the day. Mm-hmm. You say fifth grade, and that's I'll talk about that a lot because that's the hardest fucking age to go through is like those fifth grade to like eighth grade years because you as a kid, you have all these chemicals going through your body and then you know, internally, and then you have your internal thoughts about, you know, you trying to figure out what you like and who your friends are and, you know, just going mm-hmm. to, having to go to school all the time. And like, oh, not only that, but you're also figuring yourself out while you're going through all these hormonal changes in your body at the same time, you know? So that's for sure. It's like one of the hardest ages to get through. You know, and that's the age when, like, especially nowadays, where they start prescribing everybody with everything. You know what I mean? Like Adderall, Xanax, or yeah. whatever. Like, I I don't personally understand that. Like, I think, like, they, like, back when I was, like, younger, there, I obviously, like, was not near as much research on it as there is now. So, like, they were still pretty much trial and erroring erring on people which they still do to an extent now, but I don't understand like why they don't like at least wait till they're like 16, 17 mm-hmm. to medicate them. But at the same time, it's like, what age would you say is the best age to start talking to kids about mental health issues? Oh, I think it should be like implemented from like day one, mm-hmm. like talking about like, do you feel like depressed? Like, do you feel anxious? Like, do you have, like not asking it constantly to like project it onto them. But I think like if it's part of normal conversation and people are exposed to it, mm-hmm. I don't think it's so bizarre to like, for one, like the pe- people who have it, like me, for instance, when I was a kid, like OCD is also like one of the things that I have. And it was way worse when I was a kid. So I would like repeatedly wash my hands, like to the point, like, cause I was like germaphobic almost. So every time I would touch something, I would have to get up and go wash my hands, like to the point where they were like raw and like kids would pick on me for it. Mm -hmm. So like, I think if you implement, like sometimes people do this a lot. Sometimes people walk in and out of a room a bunch of times. Sometimes people have like Tourette's tics. Sometimes people like twitch or like make noises or whatever it is. If that's implemented and it's seen, I don't think it's going to be so strange to kids. So I think like in that early age, like it would eliminate like part of the bullying for mental health. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. Kids are mean as shit. <laughs> <laughs> like even when I'm at, even when I'm at work, I work retail and stuff and it's like be like back to school time. And this one lady, um, she's looking for like a pencil box for her kids. And I offered her a purple one, you know, just me thinking like, as, as I am now, you know, I'm 22 and like, I'll wear purple, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like, no, like back then, like she, she even said like, oh no, it's for my son. You know, kids are me enough nowadays. I'm like, you know, it's just the color purple. You know what I mean? Like, Right. That's you know? I mean, it's facts. And it's just like those little things that just all play a role into how like how kids and just how we, you know, growing up just interact with other people too as well. You know, it all plays a role into how we think and whatnot. For sure. Mm-hmm. I would say most of the time their mean kids have mean parents. Yeah, more more or less. <laughs> or, or they're able to get a, get away with a lot, I guess, you know? Yeah. You know, so it's all just really we're all kind of products. It's, it's funny because we're all products of, envi- of our own environments. And then we're all sent to just one centralized area to right, all we're spend, all- like eight hours a day with each other. You know what I mean? Right. We're all products of our own environment. And then they expect us to all survive in the same environment. Exactly. You know? 
And it's like, there's a way to do it, but at the same time, what's the best way to do it in which all, everybody gets the best outcome that they possibly can? Yeah, neutralize the environment. Mm. But at the same time, you can also say that the struggle is, or having th- these kinds of struggles are good. Well, can be good, depending on the person. It can be good for you know getting a better outcome of life, you know, or pushing somebody to a point in which in which they want to better themselves or get out of that bad funk themselves. You know what I mean? So it's more of like a hindsight 2020 thing. You know what I mean? Like I think for me, like. Oh, you cut out a little bit. For sure. Like I definitely think like a struggle people who are like, you said cut out. Oh, you're back. You're back now. We good. Yeah. We're all good now. Yeah. I know like a lot of people that I think like say like, struggle builds character which it does but there's also people who are, who are like well i struggled so you guys should have to also mm-hmm. and i hate that notion of so like, i think like i hate that notion yeah, go ahead yeah i was gonna say like like if like the struggle does build the character but it doesn't mean you need to inflict it like mm-hmm. you could you can even if you make something else like easier there's going to be a struggle someplace else so like don't add to it like make make one thing better and then if they struggle someplace else that that'll build their character and like you just keep improving and should be just continue improving generation after generation right right so let's see oh wait what are some of the biggest artists you've worked with so far or have you worked with any like no big mainstream artists yet um i've got a song with jaron benton got a song with huey mack got a song with ryan oaks and a song with kim meekins Okay. And a song or two with two potential like household names, but I can't like put that out yet. Okay, go ahead. No problem. No problem. It's on the album. Uh, uh no, it's potentially on the deluxe version. No. Okay. And then uh like as far as shows go, I've done show with Wiz Khalifa, Ooh. Ace Hood. You uh, looking for them? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, Chris Webby, Swayze. Futuristic. And you actually met with Khalifa? Yeah. Dude, you got to smoke I, on his tour bus. Oh my God. I, he's gonna be on he's gonna be on the podcast eventually. Eventually. I, oh, yeah. I it's not yet, but man, how is it meeting him? How was that? Uh, I mean, it's like when I was younger, I would like be like, Oh, I want to meet them so bad. Like it's not that I don't want to meet them. Obviously, I would like want to talk to people and learn from them now, but they all just people. Mm-hmm. Like it's just cool as shit. It's no different than like walking up to like somebody that you're about to work with like at a normal job being like hey you want to smoke mm-hmm. chop it up like it's they're just people you know mm-hmm. I mean, he's a cool ass dude one of the most like genuine people i've ever met personally one of my favorite rappers of all time oh for sure yeah, yeah he's just loving loving fucking being high exactly right and nothing wrong nothing wrong with it at all shoot that's what we do on this podcast too as well yeah yeah he's a cool ass dude one of the kindest people i've ever met for sure mm-hmm and you talk about longevity, man. Like I've, I was talking about it with somebody else. Why Wiz Khalifa is one of my favorite rappers. Like I remember when he made Black and Yellow, and I was in, you know, just about to be in middle school, bumping that all, you know, all day long, you know. To yeah. now where he's making, and he's had so many number one songs that people forget, you know. Right. Just how much? Just how much? How good he is as a musician or as a as a singer as well or rapper. Yeah, he's like, he's versatile too. He's been able like he's definitely carved his lane and is considerably one of the goats and people always give the argument like he doesn't talk about it like 
street shit or like real stories but like i don't think everybody has to mm-hmm. you know it's a thing of like you know just uh just being yourself you know that and like i think like music is a release for so many people and wiz is one of those people that music is a release for and if you are releasing whatever like if it's a release for some people the release is not talking about shit they've seen mm-hmm. not talking about shit they've heard not talking about shit they've lived they want to talk about what they want to do you know mm-hmm. like what i think j cole said it in one of the songs on his new album uh they just said uh he said um Said, why don't you talk about being a broke rapper? He said, because you know it's perspective. I, it's a perspective that I can respect. You know what I mean? Instead of you know just fronting for whoever, I guess. Facts. Mm-hmm. Straight and, up, that's real. And I think this has, I think it has a lot to do with just the culture we're in now, just like the flex culture, I guess. You know? Yeah, it's goofy. It just you know everybody wants to one up everybody. You know? Yeah, like I mean, like. I mean, which that's always been a thing. It's just like goofy how like flexy they are about it. I just mm-hmm. like, why? Like we said, like earlier with competition, how like music, the music game is friendly. Is, it should be friendly competition between people. You know what I mean? Just who can who can try to make better stuff. But at the same time, you know, we Fact. can collab with other people and like right. have a good time. You know, people forget that. Right. Right. I want to. I want to see you flex how good you are on the track. I don't want to see you flex what shit you just bought mm-hmm. you know so when is the point where so how um when you're making music and whatnot or just on your journey just trying to um get to a bigger spot in your music um do you uh do you not try to pay attention to like how much the money or anything as with that as well how hard is um, it to n- not focus on money for you it's like i don't put a whole lot of emphasis on it. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, like, everybody wants to get paid. Right. <laughs> but also, like, I think... Like, I personally, like... I love, like, the... Like, I want to have enough money to, like, be stress-free, but I also, like, hate the concept of money in, mm-hmm. in itself. You know? Because mm-hmm. I think, like, as a culture, people have become so, like trapped by a literal piece of paper mm-hmm. that they just like forget like they get trapped by that piece of paper and spend their whole life chasing the paper that they like forget to live you know mm-hmm. and forget that they have something else you know that's driving them and that's another thing is like especially with myself is like i really don't want to focus i mean of course everybody wants to get to the point where they don't have to you know ever work for it for every day again in, the, in their life you know what i mean but Right. At the same time, you know, I don't want it to be that main focus. I don't want it to take away from the true message of what I want to get across and the true message of what I want to convey, you know? Facts. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, the, the, the chase of money will always exist. Like, the chase of a dream can't always exist. And also, the memories that I make with people, if I'm, like, doing shit and not constantly thinking about money those memories will last forever but i can't take money when i go mm-hmm. exactly you know i can't take it with you when you die yeah your money so yep so take me through like your production style so you get in the studio and you're you know what what like what um what gets those creative juices flowing for you 
Oh, that it changes. Like some days I hear some shit in the car. I'm like, this is a vibe. I want to make some like happy music today. Or I like, or I'll hop in the studio and I like have people that send me beats or like Jake will send me a beat. I'll be like, oh, this is crazy. I like literally destroy this right now. Mm-hmm. And then like a lot of times, like it is just like beat listening, like something that catching the vibe. And then they're like the main one, like the biggest one is like, I have this feeling. I have this thought. Or I have this phrase in my head that I think is going to make a great catch line for the hook. So where do I like go from there to build it? And then I'm like, okay, guitars. And then I like, usually like if it needs guitars or like extreme like instrumentation, I'll send the idea to Jake and he usually can whip it up because he's a fucking genius. Mm. And then if it's like, like a straight rap style thing, I'll like, pull up my beat pad i'll like lay down the drums and then i'll usually like lay down the words and i'll start adding everything else afterwards okay what do you use what, what platform do you use to create your stuff or oh, so what's uh, i use machine and native, uh, mach- machine and native instruments okay. to like make make the beat and then i pull it into pro tools and mix it okay and pro tools like it was just, just talking to my cousin because even me just make just messing around every now and then I'll use FL Studio and whatnot. Yeah. But you know, everybody knows that Pro Tools is that no, it's that premiere of the, the industry, you know what I mean? In the making yeah. anime. Like I think like like a lot of people like like some of the best producers in the game right now still use FL though. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't know that. Like they're using just people still use Audacity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just to make random stuff. Right, like a lot of like they'll they'll make the beat in FL, bounce it all out, and they'll mix it in Pro Tools or Logic or something like that. FL is crazy. The sounds that you can make on there, mm-hmm. and like you can record podcasts on there. You can do just about anything on there too, as well. Yeah, like honestly, like there's not a right program. There's not a wrong program. It's does it sound good or does it not? Mm-hmm. Wait, so you you New Yorker? You got any sports teams up there? Uh, I'm a Yankee fan. Yes, and because of- <laughs> and I'm an Astros fan, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, Not necessarily- okay, I can't necessarily say I'm an Astros fan, but I'm from I'm a, I'm from a, I'm gonna live an hour and a half away from Houston. So if there's any baseball team I'm gonna root for, but the funny thing is, before the the before the title, I was both an Astros and Yankees fan, and I kind of had to pick one. You had to pick a side. Yeah, and uh, I my- hate the Astros. <laughs> it's i hate how we're in like a it's like a the blood sport now between the yankees and the astros now straight up but now i'm and because we're like so close to pa i'm a steeler fan for football and then i was a massive kobe fan which turned me to a laker fan okay and you say you're in the west coast with rap anyway so it's just natural yeah mm-hmm. like a, the whole mama mentality caught me young so it's like i gotta i gotta be a laker fan Mm-hmm. See the time we went to New York, um, I made it a neat. I made it a note to go to a Yankees game while I was there. Got to. actually, and I actually got to go. Actually, we uh, I actually got some second deck seats in the outfield in the center field. Actually, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think man, I saw it, it. Amazed me how big baseball players actually are. <laughs> no one really realized huge. Mm-hmm. But no, like the, the the culture of the ballpark though is like. It's like the big ass city is so like crowded and full, but then you walk into the ballpark and it's peaceful. Exactly, you know. And another thing is like being things like being at Times Square, being in Central Park, and being at uh, at Yankee Stadium. 
it were things that just things that me being down here in Texas, I've never seen. Actually, the only time I've seen these things are either on TV or in a book somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And finally being able to get that, get out there and actually see that it was just to me, it was mind blowing. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. It's a lot, you know? Yeah, it's beautiful for sure. Mm-hmm. So have you been to Texas? I've not. Texas is one of the few states I haven't been to. Okay. So what, what states haven't you been to? What states haven't I been to? Mm-hmm. I haven't been to Texas. I haven't been to Washington, Oregon, uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. New Mexico, and Maine. Okay. Maine's a weird... And there's like a few, a few of the middle states that I haven't been to either. Mm-hmm. Maine's a weird one because like... What what is it, Maine? Cold ass <laughs> weather and crabs. <laughs> that's what I saw. That's what I heard. And like, what, what like, cursed land? <laughs> I mean, I don't eat seafood, but apparently the seafood up there is phenomenal. That's what I heard. Like the clam chowder up there in Maine is amazing. But I've that's never. What I, hear. I, I oh, you got uh, you got some clam chowder. No, I said that's what I hear. Oh, I, they said I you had some right there. So. I thought you said that's that's right here. I was like, oh, you got some clam chowder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was it clam chowder on the podcast? That's the first. That'd be that'd be something. Yeah, hey, eventually, man, I'll have a dining podcast on this one. Hey, who knows? <laughs> that'd be fire. You gotta get down here and talk to this Texas barbecue, though, man. I'm Texas with that. Bar- Wait, have you ever had Whataburger? Yeah, but I, I don't eat. I can't eat red meat. Really? Yeah, dude, it sucks. I've actually so I actually watched a documentary. Uh, it's called Seaspiracy on Netflix. It's always funny how these documentaries influence you so much to make these decisions. But yeah. I was it's about it's called Seaspiracy about the fishing industry actually, and it talked about how overfishing is really worse for the climate or worse for our environment than anything else, and how sure. the easiest ways to stop overfishing or to reduce our consumption of fish is to just stop eating fish altogether and even then stop eating the competition which is that it would be red meat and whatever else you know yeah like i i mean i believe that like i uh, like my decision to like eat red meat was like diet restrictions like Mm -hmm. i physically like get sick if i consume it really yeah it's 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 horse shit because i fucking Mm -hmm. love a steak I can't, eat it. <laughs> I can't eat it. Mm-hmm. So wait, you just mainly wait, just chicken and you eat fish? Nah, chicken or like vegan options. Okay. So you, you eat a lot so you eat a lot of vegan options? Um I'm venturing out into them now. Mm-hmm. Like uh impossible burgers, like the close ones and trying new veggie burgers and just kind of like expanding there. How, what's the what's the biggest difference between eating just uh eating vegan and uh eating just I guess quote unquote regular? Um I guess like if you're specifically looking for a vegan option, finding it at restaurants. Mm-hmm. But I mean like other than that, like literally I had a buffalo chicken wrap the other day with like a vegan chicken tenders inside of it and it tasted exactly the fucking same. Really? Yeah. So there's always that like notion that it's either gonna taste different, you have like a different, a different kind of just flavor, a different kind of texture, consistency, I guess. Yeah. My then uncle- chefs get chefs got creative. Chefs are geniuses, bro. Mm-hmm. My aunt had some vegan bacon one time. It it wasn't necessarily bad. I'll tell you, I'll say that. I'd be intrigued to try that. All right. I, it, it tastes good with grits. You eat grits? Nah. 
Yeah, it tastes good. It tastes <laughs> not for good. me. Really? No. How you have you having? How, how have you had them prepared? Um, I don't even know. I had them one time and I wanted to vomit, so I said never again. <laughs> I'm the world's pickiest eater, though, bro. You gotta understand, I'm the world's pickiest eater. Really? I I actually up for debate. I've met some very very picky eaters. Bro, I pulled cheese off my pizza just because I don't like it. <laughs> what? Yeah. And you're from New York and you pull your cheese off your pizza? Yeah. Something about like sauce mixed with cheese. I, I don't like it. Really? So like, you if I have that? a white, like a white garlic pizza, like I'll, I'll eat the cheese on it just fine. Like cheesy garlic bread, fine. But if there's sauce in that shit, nope. Taking it off. So you no lasagna, nothing, nothing like that? Mm-mm. I don't eat pasta either. You don't eat pa- What? Nah. So, wow. You are a really picky eater then, huh? I told you I got that. I could take that crown, I think. You probably could. So you, <laughs> so you say you eat a lot of veggies then, I'm guessing? Um, Starting to. I used to eat like shit, like a toddler, pretty much. <laughs> no, we, hey, bro, we've all been there. It's even like I'm getting to that point where like as an adult or getting to the point where like I'm starting to become an adult. You got to start eating other things and stuff. And uh, you watch the, um, uh, uh, the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight at all? And uh, how uh, Chad Ochocinco was talking about uh, he had to eat healthy. Watch it, I wasn't paying for that shit. Oh, no, hell no. No. <laughs> uh, Chad Ochocinco was at the beginning, uh, or was at the press conference or something, uh, talking about his training and whatnot. And he was actually, like, legitimately pissed off that he had to eat healthy for, for a, a month. I feel that in my soul. Yeah. I literally feel that in my soul. He talked about how, like, he just, he always eats McDonald's. Like, that's what he eats. <laughs> like. And as a professional athlete, I mean, if you can eat McDonald's and still perform at a high level like he does, hey, I wish I could do the same. Yeah, I'm low-key jealous. Right? <laughs> no, he was legit. He was legitimately pissed off. He's like, y'all laughing. Like, this shit ain't funny. Like, <laughs> like I had to eat, like, <laughs> like, I had to eat healthy and shit. <laughs> Man was hangry. No, I, I had a, for me, it was like, I hate, I hate cooked vegetables. I do. I will never ever understand cooked vegetables. Like I just like a carrot. I just want don't cook a carrot. All right. I just want a regular ass carrot. Okay. Like celery. Yeah. Right. I want the crunch of a vegetable. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't, feel it. Vegetables should not be mushy. Like, I, don't care <laughs> much, I don't care how much quote unquote flavor the the broth adds to it or the beef adds to it. Don't give me that stupid ass shit. Give me like a salad and I'm <laughs> give me a salad and I'm good. <laughs> like. If it's green, nah, it's like if it's green and I'm gonna grind my down, put it in a smoothie. Right? Ah, that's, that's a lot better too. That's a lot better as well. So you are you active? You work out a lot? You active in the gym? Now I am. Mm-hmm. Past like three months, four months or so. Other like after I went like so I stopped playing college baseball and. 2013. Okay. And then that. You play play baseball? uh, So we get in there. Yeah. So you play baseball when you were studying uh, audio and whatnot at the Art Institute? Well, I went to a community college before I went to the Art Institute. Like before I like had fully decided that music was what I wanted to do like as a career. Mm -hmm. I went there for like liberal arts. So I was trying to figure it out and played baseball there. How long did you play baseball? In college. I played for two years. I played for two years in college, and I played from the time I was like nine until then. What position did you play? I pitched and played first base. Okay. 
Awesome. What was your favorite? What was your favorite sequence of pitches to throw? And what was your favorite pitch to throw? Uh, split finger fastball was my favorite pitch to throw, and I would do like a high and inside fastball, and I would throw like a low and outside fastball, mm-hmm. and then I would throw the splitter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, my favorite. I, the the times I did pitch, I say I, I say the times I did pitch was like back when I was like twelve and thirteen and shit. But I was always throwing like at least just the only ones I knew how to throw was just the basic curveball, two seamer and four seamer. <laughs> bro, I couldn't throw a curveball. Really? Nah, I threw a knuckleball, a splitter, fastball, and changeup. So how hard was a knuckle? How hard is a knuckleball to throw? Uh, for me, it wasn't hard to throw. Like it was, it came pretty naturally to me. But I also didn't throw very hard. Okay. Yeah, like I like I didn't throw the ball hard at all. Also, like knuckleball was easy to like for me to do. Okay, how was like so? How what, how was your JUCO experience playing baseball and stuff? Actually, um, the the experience itself was fine. Uh, we played like the schedule was pretty br- brutal, and there's ultimately ended like my playing career. We played 38 games in 45 days, oh, and shit. like I was a relief pitcher, and I pitched in like. 29 30 of them god damn yeah fuck my shoulder up mm-hmm. so but now we rap so yes sir <laughs> are you right right handed or left handed right handed okay. okay i threw right handed batted left handed uh, so you wanted to like i never understood that ever me either like i don't like for me personally like my left hand is so obsolete to my right <laughs> that I, I could never imagine doing anything involving besides, besides maybe throwing a punch but involving the left side of my body at all really yeah I didn't didn't make sense to me either but then like as I got older I thought about it I was like okay so I technically speaking if you throw right-handed and you're right-handed and you bat left-handed the only thing you're on the left like you're on the left side of the plate but you're bat your right hand is on the bottom of the bat which is really your main swing mm-hmm. hmm. uh, right handed you good uh, you hear me Yo, y'all good still yeah is that better yeah it's better now it's first Zoom podcast. <laughs> Still figuring everything out with Zoom. <laughs> now nah, you good. Yes, I like because I played. So I went to Juco. I played football over at uh, Blinn Junior College for about a year when I graduated high school. And I did, so did you watch Last Chance You at all? I did not. I heard it's good though. Mm-hmm. I, I always kind of like draw a parallel between my experiences playing or even going to JUCO and then like the experiences that they portrayed in last chance you it's for me, it was more or less the same. If they made yeah. a baseball one, would you watch it? Probably. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I would I, play. I, have or friends, I would watch it. Not play. Yeah. I have friends that played at see few junior colleges here in Texas. I even got one uh my friend, Jordan, he played. He actually just won a national title. McNeese, actually, McNeese State University. Hell yeah! So he played shortstop over there. Congrats to him on that. That's crazy. So baseball was your only sport. I played baseball in college and high school. I played basketball in high school. Okay. Were you, were you a point guard? 
Uh, I was like a small forward. Mm. I I didn't get off the bench much. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you go to a big high school? No, my school was small. Okay. Yeah, I'm like from a small ass town called Waverly. Like, literally, my graduating class had like 210 kids. Wow. Yeah. It's like here in Texas. Wait, so do they have like school classifications up there in New York as well? Like when it comes to like playing sports? Like, I don't think so. It's like here in Texas, we'll have like our small schools will be like, it goes by like classification. There's like 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A kind of Oh, thing. yeah, they have that. Okay. It's like what y'all school was like, would be like a what, like a 2A, 3A kind of thing? Yeah, we were, we were 2A. Okay. So like, yeah, Texas, we go all the way up to like six or seven, something like that. Holy fuck. Yeah, like we had, there's schools who have, I think, I think my graduating class was like 432 and, and we were a five, a small 5A at that. And then even like the big 6As, their graduating classes will have like two, 3,000 kids. Like They got more kids in that fucking classroom than the population of my town <laughs> and that's actually that's north houston so i think houston has like at least all the schools in houston i want to say there's a i don't even know there's at least 50 like 5a schools and he just in the state just in the city of houston alone then you have yeah keep in mind because houston has a population of like five six million itself and then yeah he has a population of like three to four million itself then there's san antonio and then there's all the other space in texas as well right damn yeah no like it's it high school sports is literally a cult almost here in texas i'm not even gonna lie i've heard that that's yeah i've heard that like i heard some of y'all's coaches down there are brutal Mm -hmm. um it's, not even, it's, it's gotten a little bit better, um, I guess, from, from I guess what you they used to get, what they used to say now, like, I guess nowadays with like the safety protocols and what they do with practice and whatnot and everything. But sure, I mean, it's it's religion. You know what I mean? Almost. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you are born in Texas, you're probably gonna play football in some kind of capacity when from the time you are able to even run and play around to the time you graduate high school, you're probably going to play football in some kind of capacity or play some kind of sport. You know, it's just That's it's, crazy. It's craziness. But I like, I like now how like a lot is like a starting to get a lot more inclusive, I guess, even though, even though kids have always been doing other things, but I, me personally, I don't want my kid to play sports. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily trip if my kid played sports. It didn't want to play yeah. sports. Yeah, when I have kids, like, I will encourage them probably to play, like, baseball or basketball or, like, something non-contact. I ain't going to push them to play football. Mm-hmm. No, but I'll, I'll honestly, if my kid wants to do music, I'll be so happy. Like, because I don't, <laughs> not even that, I just don't want to deal with sports parents. That's it. Bro, sports parents and coaches. Like, like, even though, like, there are good coaches. I just don't want to. I don't want any part of it. I mean, I'll, I'll I could say I'll help my kid with anything fundamentally you sound, you know what I mean? Like yeah, stuff, but you know, like, so when it comes to anything on the field, look, you listen to your coach. All right, I don't want anything to do with this <laughs> at all. Oh, he froze a little bit too. <laughs> don't want to be the parent that's screaming from the field. Exactly, exactly. 
Yes, sir. So when do y'all plan on moving to Nashville? Dear God. I feel that, though. <laughs> um, Nothing's set in stone yet, but hoping for end of the year. Okay. Okay. Pending pandemic shit. Yes, sir. So we talked about your crowd uh, performing earlier. How, what's the biggest crowd you performed in front of so far? Uh, it was probably the Wiz Khalifa crowd. It was like 14,000 people. Sheesh. How was that? Oh, that shit was fun. Mm-hmm. That shit was fun, bro. I, I've never had an adrenaline high like that. Like, that shit was wild. Mm-hmm. Like, how, like... I was like, I got to do this every day. You have, do you, do you have, like, stage fright? You said you, like, kind of, like, get, have anxiety, but do you have, like, stage fright or anything, like, for the first time you, like, first few times you performed? The only time I've had stage fright, I've had it, like, twice. Mm-hmm. The first time I had it was the first time I ever performed. And then the second time I had it was, like, I just went on a tour a few, like, last month for a few dates. And I hadn't performed in, like, a year and a half because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, like, something that had become regular, I hadn't done in a minute. My sound had changed. My style had changed. My appearance had changed like because I rebranded. So, like, that first show out with a new sound, I got a little bit nervous before that. Those were the only two times I've had stage fright. Okay. Well, before your very first performance, um, how would you uh, – or any, if even just kind of getting through any jitters, like, how would you get through those jitters, like, yourself, I guess? Um, I smoked a lot of weed before I went on stage. <laughs> Don't recommend doing that because I had cotton mouth like a motherfucker up there. <laughs> I bet you it was hard as shit to <laughs> try to get them words out. Bro, I could I couldn't speak, mm-hmm. and th- but like really like it was just like uh you didn't put all this time in to write these songs to not let people hear them so stop being a bitch and get up there exactly exactly yeah before then that- I got up there and had an adrenaline high I was like oh, I gotta do this every day the rest of my life yeah yeah even then just watching like when I'm watching music videos and just hearing the roar of a crowd just gives me goosebumps personally you know yeah. You know, it's something about that, it. Something... Like, Good. The thing that, like, like the there's nothing like making, like, a mannerism or an act or, like, seeing a crowd follow what you tell them to do. Mm-hmm. Or, like, seeing words that you wrote down back to you. Exactly. And not even that. The thing, of, the thing I get from it is, like, thinking that the energy in which the only that you put into the music and whatnot, but the energy that's being produced and then being projected onto everybody else and everybody's feeling that same wave of energy at the same time. You know what I mean? I'm like, bro, this is absolutely nothing like it. You know? No, it's life changing. 100% life changing. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing that that 14,000 crowd, like that, that crowd of 14,000 people like not only elevated you in other people's minds, but also kind of made you elevate in another, in your own mind as well. Yeah, I would say, like, right around then. Like, because when I did that one, I was just off an 18-city tour playing to, like, small bars, like, two, 300-room capacities. Mm-hmm. And I came home, and I saw that, and I was like, this is super, like, the music that I played, like, resonated with and was fine. But, like, a crowd like that, I started, like, seeing the bigger picture of, like, the difference of, songs that can be played in bars and resonate well for those crowds mm-hmm. but also seeing one that can be played like outside at festivals and shit mm. and like shit that's like 
timeless and like more anthematic. So I kind of like directed my focus to like, and just the stylistics of what I wanted to create because of what I wanted to play. Okay. How much songs does that make sense? Yeah, it does. How much like so like how much song study do you do on like other genres or old music? Um, I mean, I don't know that like. Or do you I would do have it all? time? Like I like I when you say study, like break it down and shit. Uh, kind of like breaking down, but kind of like hearing the hearing different songs and thinking, hearing different melodies and different styles that they use, or different kind of um. I guess techniques they use in their courses, like repeating and everything else. Like how how often do you kind of listen to music and kind of think like, oh, let me do something like this and add this on? Or like how often do you take like, you know, stuff you learn from other songs and add it on into your own stuff? All the time. Like I think like anytime I hear like any music consumption is like anytime you unless you're just like listening to it for like the first time, but even then, like anything that you consume. I think contributes to what you produce. Mm-hmm. Like we create and put out like part of what we consume. Like it's no different than like your, like your, your body, like you get out of your body, what you put into it, you mm-hmm. get out of your art, what you like fuel it with. Yes, sir. Um, so when it comes to, um, when it comes to man, so you say you manage all your own stuff and everything um when you get to that point uh would you would you rather sign to a label or would you rather stay independent it depends on one what the label can do for me Mm because a lot of times now when people are getting signed they're in a position where they're already doing pretty well for themselves so it would depend on am i keeping my masters am i controlling my image And just like from a creative control perspective, are they, are they allowing me to continue to be myself? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sell my masters when I'm already doing well and let you guys just profit off me and shit that I've already made, you know? Mm-hmm. So how uh, do you uh, often collab? Well, do you help like other artists who are up and coming as well, a lot as well? Do I like help them? Mm-hmm. Like help and collab with them or like kind of mentor or not mentor, but I guess give, give tips and pointers, I guess. Yeah, I will. And like I do, like if I come in proximity with somebody that I like think has a lot of potential, I like I like to work with a lot of people. Like if you go through my projects, there's always quite a few collabs. Mm -hmm. And then like I when I was building up my Spotify stuff, like I created like a list for myself of like curators of Spotify playlisters Mm -hmm. and like getting your music placed on playlists, like even people who like create their own playlist on spotify some of them have built up like 50 to 100,000 follower playlists that they change regularly so i built up like a contact list of people like that who have big playlists like for myself to pitch the songs to them and i created a contact list of like 210 people and i sell that to artists that are trying to like grow their spotify presence and shit mm. and like i give them like platforms of like the messaging and terminology that I use when I send to them. And I also like when they do that, like it opens the door for like communication. If they have like any questions or like feedback, what they want or anything from me. So I, I try to be involved with other artists too, as much as I can. And I produce for a few other people too. Okay. How, how hard mm-hmm. was it to get your music on all different platforms? 
that's super easy. Uh, all you got to do is like, I use CD baby. So distribute distribution company, cdbaby.com and you pay a fee for every release. Or also there's other companies like TuneCore and DistroKid. Uh, DistroKid also puts your music on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Pandora, collects YouTube money for you. And it's literally $20 a year. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So like anybody at the independent level, like can put their stuff on there. They just have to invest in themselves. Okay. Same thing. It's kind of same way. It's like a host site. You upload like to a host site and then just sends it everywhere else. Same thing I do with my podcast type thing. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay. You said you've been on Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And they just collect your royalties for you and then it drops it to your PayPal usually. Okay. You said you've been on podcast before, haven't you? Yeah. I've popped on only like a handful, probably like four or five as the guest. Oh, you already know it's the best one right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best <laughs> one right here. Caleb Jackson podcast. But yeah, no, I've been doing this for about a little over a year. <laughs> and so far, you're right. I, so far, you're the first artist I've had on my podcast. So that's dope. Well, yeah. I, so far, it's the most in depth conversation I've had on one. So that's dope. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, was, I was looking through your stuff too, and I saw that a few of your songs had like hundreds of thousands of plays. And my favorite, so my favorite one that from you actually was NRG. That was my favorite one. Oh, the one with Jaren. Say, yeah, no, I'd say that one, I was banging that one on the way to work. I'm not going to lie to you, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, but then I like, but then I heard some of your rock stuff too. I was like, oh, he does rock. And then like, he has that kind of like, not only that, but you have like a kind of like pop-ish look, I guess. You know what I mean? And that, I guess that's what you're going for, I guess, that that for balance. Sure. Mm-hmm. The way you, yeah. can, you can do whatever, I guess, with your, your style. Yep, that's literally what I want to be able to do is I want to be exactly who i am at all times i don't want to like my image is me it's not like this is his image mm-hmm. you know what i mean yes sir all right man well hey we've been going at it for we talking for a while man but it's a good time to wrap <laughs> it up i guess for sure i appreciate you having me on man yes sir so it's been the caleb jackson podcast remember listen to mr ryan bronson he is available on spotify apple music title where else you said youtube everywhere youtube everywhere Yes, sir. Album and dropping. Whatever you got. Yeah, album dropping June 27th. Yes, you sir. know what's coming. Him. Go play. Yep. Go ahead. Give him some plays, man. Go give me some plays, too, as well. So hey, we'll definitely have another podcast sometime. Hopefully, we'll have one in person, too, with down the line. That would be dope. Post-pandemic. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. Have a good rest right. of your day, brother. Appreciate you, too. Nice meeting you. You, too, for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.